I don't have many opportunities to stand before you and publicly say thank you. So thank you for asking me to speak today. Thank you for calling us to Oxford Baptist Church. Thank you for welcoming us with your hugs and food, meals at your house, questions about how we are doing, high fives with our son, all of it. It matters when you talk to me and my son. It matters when you pray for us. It matters when you take time to learn more about us and ask how we are. So thank you. The WMU group of Oxford Baptist Church asked me to come today to speak some about myself, what I do for a living, my experiences, etc. And I thought about that for a week or two. But then I realized that God had something more for me to say to you today. And it wasn't just my biography. True, I could have told you about the best practices of church communication, like I do in my consulting work, but I'd rather do that at a deacon's meeting or over a salad at harvest, though maybe not all of us at one time. I will, however, tell you two truths and a lie about myself. And if you get distracted during my preaching, then you can try to figure out which one of these three statements is a lie and which two are true. One, I have been baptized twice, even though I've always been a Baptist. Two, my youth minister in middle school and early high school was Jessica Simpson's dad. Three, my mother always thought I would either be a minister or marry a minister. Now you can wonder about those things as we talk about Esther 4. While the complete story of Esther is a good one, and I encourage you to read it in full sometime, I wasn't necessarily drawn to dive in too deeply into this story. Instead, we're just looking at the last part of Esther 4. We heard Hattie Jean read in Esther 4.14 that Mordecai said to Esther, Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. Certainly, it's not the first time that the authors of Scripture have wondered if God has called someone for a specific time and place. Abraham was called to a new land to birth a nation. Moses was called to lead the people out of Egypt into a wandering mess and eventually a new home. David was called to greatness, and even though he often failed as a moral leader, He was responsible for an amazing time in Israel's history. And since we've recently spent weeks during Advent meditating on the fact that Jesus was brought into the world in a very specific time and place, we can't overlook his calling. And yet, that's with our gift of hindsight. Did others think Jesus was called for such a time as this? After all, did everyone think the carpenter from Nazareth was the expected one? His cousin John was the one born into the family of priests. John was the one born to a barren woman. John's father was the one who was mute during his gestation period. John was odd. He lived in the desert and talked about repentance of sin. John spoke and lived like a prophet. Jesus, he was a boy from Nazareth. He was the son of a carpenter. He didn't even rock the boat that we know of until he was in the prime of life. Everyone was watching John from the beginning. Only a few pondered about Jesus' future. 
We shouldn't assume that we know who or how God is going to call any of us. Who knows? Maybe you were called and made for such a time as this. I have often wondered if you wonder what it's like to be the pastor, or in my case, the pastor's wife. Maybe your life is busy enough that you don't waste time on those kinds of thoughts. But when I talk with my ministry spouse friends, we wonder if you think our lives are much different from yours. Do we yell at our children as we get out of the car to walk through the doors on Sunday morning? Do we fight with our spouses? Do we feel insecure when we enter a room full of people? Do we question the existence of God? Do we worry about life after death? Do we sometimes struggle to get out of bed and face the day? The thing is, at least in my case, I too was an unsuspecting candidate for this life. I was not marked at an early age as a special young girl who always did the right thing respected her elders and quietly and politely played with all the children and made everyone feel welcome. No, I was into a lot of trouble. I made people feel excluded. I was selfish and loud and narcissistic and manipulative, and I'm probably still all of those things. In fifth grade, I purposefully unzipped a visitor's dress during Sunday school. I cursed at my parents a lot. I snuck out of my house. I broke the law. No, no one stood over me and proclaimed that I would be perfect for a pastor someday. And yet, here I am. Who knows, maybe I was made for such a time as this. And maybe it could be you, too. Maybe it could be you up here. Maybe you were made for such a time as this. Hindsight is a wonderful gift God gave to those of us with opposable thumbs. Sometimes we need to take stock of where we've been to figure out where we are. So my road to this moment with you here at Oxford Baptist Church started in about 1960, though I'm sure God would say it started much earlier. But as far as I can know, it started in 1960 in Houston, Texas, when a caring man named Mr. Mitchell asked his lonely and rowdy and somewhat neglected neighbor's son to join him and his boys at their church. And for about five years, Mr. Mitchell made sure my dad had an exposure to God that he was not going to get at home from his alcoholic parents. And then about 15 years later, in the mid-70s, my road took another turn towards Oxford Baptist Church when my non-practicing Catholic mother finally agreed, along with my dad, to attend Richardson Heights Baptist Church in Dallas with their best friends. And even though the guest preacher spoke about how Catholics were going to hell, my mom decided sometime later, much later, to give the regular pastor another shot. And later they found friends and community and life there at the Heights. And in 1976, a few months before I was born, my mom was baptized by immersion into the Baptist Church. 
and still my road bent to Oxford. When my parents became so involved at Richardson Heights that they were a part of the inner circle of friends with the pastors who served while we lived in Dallas. My memories of childhood include slumber parties and time spent at church, playing hide-and-seek with the pastor's kids, sliding down their staircases, decorating their offices for birthdays, and pastors who knew me well, even in a church of over 3,000 members. When I was not quite 16, my road here almost ended. My parents moved me from the suburbs of shiny Dallas to a smallish country town in East Texas, to follow our pastor to a new church where he had gotten my dad a job as the facilities manager at First Baptist Church of Tyler. I was not happy at all, and I made sure my parents knew this all the time. But God was not deterred. A woman named Deanna, who was our Sunday school teacher, for just such a time as this, encouraged the sophomore girls to send me letters as I anticipated a move. And she arranged for parties and get-to-know-you events, and along with a special youth intern, a memorable youth camp my first summer there. And because of this encouragement, I warmed to the people there, and I learned to love them, and eventually, I let God back in. Now, just to make something clear, my dad was not an employee at IBM like some other Baylor alum here, and my parents could not afford to send me to college to a college like Baylor University. Not that I was even looking at a school like that. I thought I would be in a great psychology program at Texas A&M or at a liberal arts school like Stephen F. Austin. No way I cared about a stuffy, conservative, religious school with preppy private school kids like those at Baylor. Though I quickly learned that not all students were like that. And yet my road twisted again here to you. A very generous family at our church gave me the gift of three years of tuition at Baylor, free. All I had to do was say yes. Now the road starts to speed up a bit here, because while I was at Baylor, God called some college boys to dream big, and they started University Baptist Church. And they opened the doors in January of my freshman year with a small church packed with fraternity boys and impressionable girls and we listened to Chris C. preaching jeans, and we heard David Crowder play the Lemonheads on the keyboard. And we called it church. And we were all invited to step up and be the church. And so I typed letters in the office, and I typed the Sunday bulletin in my apartment, and I cleaned bathrooms, and I helped make church decisions, and I set up chairs, and I led an inner-city children's ministry. And I painted walls, and I invited friends, and I met a boy there, and I liked that boy, and I dated that boy, and I fell in love with that boy, and he happened to feel called to the ministry. And I knew that God wanted me to be more than a psychologist and instead a teacher. And I knew that God was asking big things of me, for me to obey and to say yes and to watch where the road went, even if it was all the way to Duke Divinity in the strange land of North Carolina. And God asked me to listen and obey. 
even when I ate dinner all by myself because my husband was playing with teenagers, even when I felt alone, even when I said this type of marriage is too hard, even when I desperately wanted to make more money, even when we moved to Mayberry, even when our young and amazing friend Kyle Lake died too young, even when the world fell apart, and even when I didn't know what to do with a newborn, or later a toddler, or later a three-year-old, even when I didn't feel called to teach anymore, and even when we moved to Mobile, and even when I felt my husband was almost broken by the church, and even when the whole world seemed like an option, and we applied for churches in Canada, and Belgium, and New Hampshire, and California, and Washington, D.C., and God said, not yet. And even then, it may have been by the thinnest thread, but I listened for the call, and I knew that such a time as this was coming. Because God doesn't call me to this here, this moment at your pulpit in Oxford, North Carolina. God doesn't call me here when I'm 10, or when I'm 15, or when I'm 25, or even when I'm 30 or almost 40. God called me here about a month ago when Jeanette asked if I would speak, and I said yes. I wasn't prepared when I was 10 or 15 or 30, but I was prepared a month ago because of the road I had traveled, because of the other times I said yes, because of the actions of faith I took before, and because of the actions of obedience of others who also heard God's call and said yes. Could it be you up here? Possibly. God is calling you, calling you to something. The next step, a new job, ministry, to be a surprise, to find a new way to serve, to get out of bed, to trust, to be a peacemaker, to give, to love. God is asking you to see how you were made for such a time as this. Maybe you are a neighbor with compassion on a little boy, a friend with an invitation to church. Maybe you have an occasion to spend time with the pastor's family, an encouraging letter to send to someone in a life change, a generous donation to change someone's future, an opportunity to equip someone else for leadership. All these callings were answered by other people in my past to lead me here to you. Maybe you won't become a pastor's spouse. For most of you in this room, that ship has sailed. But God didn't call me to this at first either. And God didn't call me to this without first calling others to respond which eventually led to me here to you. Don't assume that God only calls the equipped, the righteous, the prepared, or someone else. 
And don't forget that sometimes your calling and your response leads to others hearing their call and to their response. It doesn't matter your gender or your age or your race or your job or your education or your lifestyle or your past or your future. Scripture shows us that God calls anyway. Could it be you for such a time as this? Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, for never asking us to be perfect or wise or powerful or experienced or all-knowing before we can say yes to you. Teach us how to obey. Teach us how to see. Teach us to love. Show us where to serve. Show us where to help. Show us how to save. Show us the road. Amen.